Jesus, as we bow before you, God, you are our king, you are, you are our Lord, and, and we just worship you right now. God, we humble ourselves and we ask that you would speak to us, God, that as we submit ourselves to you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fill us. And, and really, God, I know the, the, the filling of the Spirit is really where we yield control to the Spirit because the Spirit is in us, but when we're filled, we're yielding control and He fills us. And, and we're open right now, submitted to, submitted to you, asking for you to speak to us right now. So I pray you would bless your word, anoint it, and thank you for being our God who loves us so much, Lord, who give us new mercies, Lord, every morning where your compassions fail not, Lord. And we thank you for that, that incredible, uh, deep, and, and just huge love you have for us that we cannot even get to the bottom of. So thank you for being here and loving on us right now. So bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, you've probably seen these signs before. Uh, we're going to put them up. Uh, where guys hold a sign like, The End is near. Uh, maybe see that one with the Grim Reaper, right? Kind of scary there. Or the classic guy, right? The next picture is a guy, right? You know who that is? Ringing a bell, warning that the world is about to end. But in this next picture, there is actually a group of scientists and 13 Nobel laureates who symbolically rate the state of the world with what is called the Doomsday Clock. In their press release that they uh, gave out at the beginning of this year, uh, these guys are called the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists and Security Board. They announce the, that the iconic doomsday clock, which symbolizes the, the, the perils that are facing humankind, is now closer to midnight than any point since it, they started this back in 1947. Back in 1991, it was set to the farthest from midnight at 17 minutes when the Cold War ended with U.S. and Russia. They decided to, to you know, bring down their nuclear arsenal. But you know what? This year, now the doomsday clock is set to the closest ever at midnight at 100 seconds to midnight because of the threat. Of they, they use like nuclear war, climate change, and all, whatever worldwide uh, uh, clum calamities, I can't say that word, you know, and all the crazy things, and certainly, I'm sure, you know, with the coronavirus. Well, we know the Bible speaks about the end of the world as we know it. But the end of this world is actually going to be the beginning of a new age with Jesus Christ. And really, that's our hope, right? I mean, the Grim Reaper guy, well, yeah, that, that's all, what a downer that is. But, you know, when we talk about the end of the world, when the Bible talks about it, it's really pointing toward the time when Jesus will come and rule and reign. So, as we continue our study in the book of Daniel, we come to the grand finale of the prophecy about Israel. And the good news is they're going to make it. They're going to make it all the way to the end and be with Jesus, even in this new age. So, this is what happens at the end of history. This is what happens at the end of history. And that's our title this morning, At the End of History. We're going to be studying Daniel chapter 12, just the first four verses this morning, one through four. And each verse is our outline here this morning. Number one, the time of repercussions. Number two, the time of resurrection. Number three, the time of recognition. And number four, the time of Revelation. So our title at the end of history, Daniel 12, 1 through 4. Let's go to number one in our outline, the time of repercussions, the time of repercussions. Take a look with me here, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, and just verse 1 here. It reads here, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And we'll stop there. So in our first section here with verse 1, 
We, we, we're coming off of, as we come into chapter 12, we're coming off of chapter 11, right? Daniel in chapter 11 was given this prophecy about God's plan for Israel and the future and the world. And, and you know, we, we've, we took like three studies in that, didn't we? Well, now as we come into chapter 12, the angel finishes up with the grand finale. This is what it is. It's the grand finale about what's going to happen in the end with Israel, of what's to come with Israel and the end of the world, which for me is the end of history as we know it. So the angel begins here in verse 1 of chapter 12, and he says, at that time. Well, what time? Well, he's continuing on in this prophecy from chapter 11. So it is when the Antichrist rises up and comes against Israel. Remember last time our focus was on that the end of chapter 11, where it was all about the coming Antichrist, and that was our title. And we saw how the Antichrist will rise up into power, and then halfway through, right, his seven-year reign, the 70th week of Daniel, the seven-year tribulation, halfway through, three and a half years in, he will stand in the rebuilt temple, declare himself to be God, and require the whole world to worship him, including the Jews, including Israel. And if not, they would be killed. So he's asking the Jews to worship him. He rises up in that way. Well, at that time, that's when the great prince or Michael, the archangel, will rise up and protect the Jews. So as the Antichrist rises up, Michael rises up now, the archangel, the top general, top angel here, and we've talked about him before. And it's because when the Antichrist comes directly against Israel, he, he's there. Why? Because he has been given the charge, it says here. That means to stand guard over the nation of Israel. So it's believed Michael's assignment really is to watch over Israel. So Michael the archangel will rise up to fight and protect Israel. I guess you can say that Michael is uh, Israel's guardian angel. And remember something here. Remember that Antichrist is Satan's man. Remember we learned that, right? Satan is one who props him up and empowers him. It's Satan who's, who's driving him to do whose agenda? Satan's agenda in this last time, uh, the, uh, the last seven years here. But understand this. Satan is just another angel, right? A fallen angel like Michael. And I'm saying this because as we come into this, sometimes our minds settle into the wrong thinking that the opposite of God is Satan. It's not that. Movies may be forces of evil, forces of bad, you know, equal opposing forces. It's not that way. So we think that way with God and Satan. Actually, the opposite of Satan is, you know who? Michael, the archangel. They're both high-ranking, or Satan was, uh, but Satan is a leader of all the other fallen angels, the demons, right? They're, they're, they're more equal. God has no opposites. God is God and no one and nothing is equal to Him. He is above all. And we understand that angels are powerful. They are mighty. And Satan may be mighty, but he is not the Almighty. Amen? So our first point here is this. When the Antichrist and Satan rise up against Israel, Michael the archangel rises up to battle them. Again, when the Antichrist and Satan rise, rise up against Israel, Michael the archangel rises up to battle them. Now, I, I want you to see something here with this and, and what's going on. Related to this is something in Revelation chapter 12. So if you can now turn to Revelation, the last book of the Bible, and turn to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. And I want to look at a few verses here, verses 7 through 9. So a turnover. Shouldn't be too hard to find, right? Revelation, last book, go all the way in and uh, follow the numbers to Revelation chapter 12. Now take a look at verse 7. We're going to be reading verse 7 through 9. It says here, Revelation 12, verse 7, Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And who's the dragon? Who's that? Uh, it's my uh, How to Train a Dragon Dragon? No, it's Satan, right? Uh, fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. 
But he was defeated, that was the dragon, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. Interesting, isn't that? What? Satan in heaven? Well, what we know from, say, the book of Job, we know that Satan can go in and out to heaven. In other words, he has access to God. Remember, he came and accused, uh, 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 he was up there and he's accuser of the brethren. Scripture tells us, and then God's like, hey, look at Job, you know, kind of. And then Satan's like, oh, yeah, he's, he's just following you because you're blessing him. And then remember the whole book of Job. So we know Satan has that access. But here in Revelation 12, he, he, is, he is cast out. He is no longer allowed in there. And then it says in verse 9, And the great dragon was thrown down, that the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So you, you see what's going on here, right? This is really what we see in Revelation 12 is what we see in Daniel 12. It, it, it correlates here. This is the beginning of the end for Satan. This is the beginning of the repercussions for him. We are reminded once again reading here, and you could go back to Daniel 12, but we're reminded again that there is an invisible war going on. Remember, we talked about that weeks ago, right? uh, I believe my message was called that, the invisible war. And it's going on behind the scenes, and we're again reminded of that, how Satan is trying to constantly attack and bring down and destroy God's people. So remember that again. Be reminded. That's why we got to pray. But know that Satan isn't God's equal. God is the Almighty. Well, back to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. Now, it goes on here. And I believe with, with this war that happened and this battle and Satan got thrown out, uh, Satan's thrown out of heaven. He's, he's going to be upset. Yeah? And that is going to unleash a full-on attack of Satan. Basically, it's going to become literally hell on earth, what we are termed sometimes. The prophecy says here in the next part of the verse, At that time, there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation. So ever there's going to be a lot of turmoil with nations and all, and and, and Israel, you know, coming, uh, became um, attacking Israel and all of that, uh, going back. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on in the world during the seven-year tribulation. This will be, you guys, unprecedented times for both Israel and the world. Again, as we reference the Book of Revelation, we know that from the Book of Revelation, we've learned that a quarter of the world's population will die. That's how bad it's going to get with natural calamities, pestilences, earthquakes, all kinds of things will be happening. Uh, One-third of the earth, Revelation tells us, will be destroyed. One-third of ocean life will be gone. One-third of fresh water sources uh, will be gone too. And we know that things like sores will break out on people. There's going to be a supernova, I I believe, with the sun. It's going to scorch the earth. Perhaps maybe our electromagnetic field is going to break down and then the the sun's rays will will come in more stronger. And it's kind of interesting. I was reading some articles this week that uh, um, the, the, the electromagnetic field is fluctuating and, and getting weaker and all that. So kind of interesting. Maybe some things are getting ready for that. Uh, we know that Revelation talks about darkness even covering the earth. Um, this is all, remember, the tribulation is the wrath of God pouring upon the earth. It's going to be the judgment, the repercussions for the world's unrepentant un, sin. So, It will also be, on top of that, where Satan will run rampant, unhindered. He'll he'll probably be angry, upset, mad for being cast out and kicked out. We also read in Revelation that his demonic beings will come out out of the bottomless pit or out of the earth and overrun the earth. And you know what, though? The main target, and this, this is, remember, this prophecy is about Israel. The main target is going to be the Jewish people. When the Antichrist stands up there and they're not going to worship him, you know, he's going to go after him. And Satan hates the Jews. Satan hates Israel. He always hated them. Um, um, 
Think about, that's what anti-Semitism is, right? The hatred of Jewish people. And they've been going through that over and over, even today. There, uh, I was reading articles last week about uh, more anti-Semitism uh, getting more in Europe. So this is, what's going to happen here is going to be like unprecedented. It's going to be like never before the world has seen. We could think of real bad things that have happened in the world, and we could think of all the bad things that happened to Israel, to the Jews, like the Holocaust, right? But you know what? The prophecy is talking about it's going to even be worse, that hatred and uh, the Antichrist going after them. So our second point is this. At the time of the end, things will only go from bad to worse for both Israel and the world. That's what we see in this verse. Uh, at the time of the end, things will only go from bad to worse for both Israel and the world. You know, in Jeremiah 30, it talks about, uh, uh, the, prophesies this time called Jake's, Jacob's trouble. Jacob is another word for Israel. And, and so it isn't just here, but Jeremiah, even before Daniel, prophesied this time. And you know what? Jesus Christ himself prophesied this time. In Matthew 24, 21, it says, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. So when we talk about trouble here in verse 1 of Daniel 12, it's going to be really bad for Israel and the world. Listen, this will be even more unprecedented time than what we're living through right now. I mean, we're in this pandemic and COVID-19, the coronavirus, right? I mean, our lives have been changed around. Some of you, your lives have been super upside down in all of this. Some of you guys are struggling, but praise God, I, I hear testimony of over and over how God is there and helping now. And, and think about this time, though. It's going to be like a thousand times worse. But, praise the Lord, the church is not going to be there. The church is not under the wrath of God. Remember the tribulation about God's judgment being poured out, right? Satan having ram, ram, uh, full reign or you know free reign or whatever he wants to do. Nothing's hindering him during this time. And it's all part of the judgment coming upon the world. Well, the church is not under the wrath, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, because we're going to be raptured before all this, so we won't be there. So praise God for this. So even though I'm talking about all this, no worries. If you're a believer, we're not going to be here. We're going to be able to maybe watch from heaven and go, whoa, look, revelation. Whoa, it's coming alive. We can see it. All right. So we know this will come upon Israel, the world, but God will deliver believing Israel. So take a, the church will be delivered out of it, but in the midst of all that going on, God will be there for them. Take a look at verse 1 once again in the last part, right? It says, but at that time, during the tribulation time, the prophecy says, your people. Whose people? Daniel's people. And who's Daniel's people? The Jews, right? Israel. The Jews will be, it says, delivered. You see, Michael, who's standing over and being watch over Israel, Michael is there to make sure of it. Michael is there to make sure that the believing Jews are protected because God will deliver, it says here, all whose name shall be found written in the book. What book is that? Well, it's the book of the saved. The book of people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, his work on the cross, uh, his provision for our sins, his atonement for our sins, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And now these Jewish people will believe that this Jesus is their Messiah who had come so long ago. Yes, this is what we see. During the tribulation years, there will be Jews who will believe in Jesus Christ. Understand, that's what it's saying there. Literally, Israel, those Jews, will be saved. Now, maybe some will fall away. Maybe there will be some apostate. We talked about that a little bit. but And we'll talk about it a little more in a moment. But understand that, yes, there will be the nation in general, there will be Jews who believe in Jesus Christ. So, the believing Jews of the nation of Israel will be delivered from being totally wiped out here. And that's what the Antichrist is going to do. He's going to go after them. Remember, Satan hates Israel. Satan hates the Jews. He wants to get rid of the whole nation. 
even today, right? Even in our day and age, and in the past, I don't know how many years, uh, there's been this constant rhetoric from Iran, right? Iran coined the phrase, wiping Israel off the map. And that's always been their mission, their hatred and all that. But that will never happen. And this is what we're reading here. Uh, even at the end of history, God is going to save Israel. And the interesting thing is, is that, that the nation is not going to be just saved you know, physically from harm from the Antichrist. But as I mentioned, the Jews will be spiritually saved in Jesus. And this is great because in the book of Revelation, we find God sends 144,000 Jews, uh, uh, right? 12,000 from every tribe, literally it says, Jewish missionaries to share to their own brethren about Jesus Christ. We also know in the book of Revelation that God's going to send two witnesses, and we don't know exactly who they are, but I tend to believe it's Elijah, Moses, you know, because of what they do. They're going to preach Jesus too. They're going to preach Jesus to the nation there. And God even sends out an angel flying around in the whole world and calling people to come to Jesus. And so many in the nation of Israel, will respond in salvation. And many Jews will believe and be saved. So our third point here, and the last one in this section, in this first verse, is this. During the last seven years of this world, many Jews will come to see Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So during that tribulation time, uh, that that last seven years of, of the world as we know it, many Jews will come to see Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You know, it's been said, human beings can live for 40 days without food, four days without water, and four minutes without air. I guess if you can hold your breath. But we cannot live for four seconds without hope. And this is what God is giving Daniel in this prophecy. Remember Daniel's heart is, his concern is for his own people, for Israel. What's going on? The captivity have ended. Uh, um, the uh, King Cyrus has allowed the Jews, the Jews to go back to their land. They're struggling. But Lord, what's going to happen? He's praying for the nation. God gives him this prophecy of not just like near future right after him, but far future down into the end of this world. So God is giving hope to Daniel that, hey, they're going to be okay during this time. Their, their names are going to be in the book of life. And we understand that today, that they will come to see Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They will not be wiped out. They're going to make it. The Jews will be saved. And we know it will be in Jesus Christ. And that's the hope that God is giving Daniel here. Listen, that is our hope too. You know what? No matter what happens in our crazy world, I mean, we are, aren't we stepping into another unknown time? I mean, businesses are opening up. Uh, we can go eat. You know, we're going to be able to go eat. We can get our hair cut, go back to the gyms, you know, go swim again. But what is it going to be like? We're going to meet together as a church again. What is it going to be like? There's a lot of unknowns, and sometimes in the unknowns, it can be scary, right? And we're coming into a, another unprecedented time. But know this, God is still there. God who got you through until this point, he's going to get you through all, all the way and you will make it. And no matter what happens in these uncharted waters we're, we're navigating into, we're going to come out. Our hope is in Jesus knowing, you know, if he, we know he's going to deliver Israel here, he's going to deliver you also. He's going to be there for you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, right? First John 4, 4. Understand that. And God is greater. And we see this even in the future for Israel. All right. Let's go to number two now. Uh, the time of resurrection. So at the end of history, we see the time of repercussions, the wrath of God. Satan gets angry. All this stuff is going on. But God is still there. And now, secondly, the time of resurrection. And take a look at Daniel chapter 12, verse 2 now. It says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So the angel goes on here and, and he's saying, not only will, will these Jews be preserved, but, but understand this as a nation, when they die, you know what? They're going to live again. Those 
When he says here, those who sleep, now that's an ancient way of saying a person died because when you die, it looks like you're sleeping. And then when he says those who sleep, who died in the dust of the earth, it means those who are dead and buried. Basically, we use that phrase, right? So basically, someone who died, who passed away. Well, the angel prophesies here at the end of history, at this time, at, at, during all this time, they will awake. They will rise up from death and enter into one of two final destinations. Everlasting life is one, which we know what that is, right? Eternal life in the heavens. Or everlasting contempt. That's everlasting lostness in hell. Contempt literally means casting away or casting off. So, in particular, talking about the Jews here now, the Jews who believe in Jesus as their Messiah will go to heaven here at the end of, the, of history, and the Jews who don't will go to hell. Pretty straightforward here. So, understand this now, though, just to help you kind of uh, see how, how this works. This one verse covers um, stages of resurrection that will happen at the end of history. And that's why I call this uh, section the time of resurrection. Now, here's the idea. At the time of the rapture, right, First Thessalonians 4.17, those who died before us up until that time, they will receive their resurrected bodies. And then those who are alive, if we're still here on earth, we're going to be raptured, taken up uh, at the trumpet call of God, and we're going to meet them together and we'll receive our resurrected bodies. So that's at the rapture, and I believe before uh, the tribulation. And so that's going to happen and we'll be resurrected as believers. Then at the second coming of Christ, those quote-unquote tribulation saints, those who came to Jesus during the tribulation and who died, in faith, were persecuted and martyred during the tribulation by the Antichrist, they will receive their resurrected bodies along with any of the believing Jews who had died. But during the millennium after that, right, uh, uh, some of these Jews who, who were protected, lived through, Jesus comes, sets his ruling reign on earth, they'll be living, and if they pass because they believe in Jesus, they're going to get their resurrected bodies and they'll They'll, they'll have that eternal life. And lastly, what the last part of this verse talks about, is at the end of the millennium, and this is in Revelation 20, at the end of the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ, right? We have the tribulation year, seven years, and then thousand-year millennium, the rule of Christ. Uh, uh, the unbelievers who have died way before that, uh, they will be brought up, uh, they're going to rise up in a way, uh, uh, arise, right, to face God in the great white throne judgment. That's when that happens. And then they will be banished to everlasting hell. And Revelation talks about the lake of fire. So that's the time of resurrection. Resurrection. This is what's talked about, and particularly with the Jews. Some are going to make it, but some not. But in generally, Israel will. So, the point here is this. In the ultimate end, believing Jews will go to live eternally with the Messiah, Jesus Christ. In the ultimate end, believing Jews will go to live eternally with the Messiah, Jesus Christ. I like something that Warren Wiersbe wrote. He said, if you have been born only once, you can die twice. But if you've been born twice, that is born again through faith in Christ, you can die only once. I like that. You see, in, in Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, the final judgment, that great white throne judgment of the unbelievers, you know what that's called there? The second death. So if you die without Jesus, you die twice. You die physically, and then in a sense, the second death is your judge and, and, and you're banished into hell. So that, that, the second death. And so you actually are born once, but you die physically, and, and then you're thrown into hell, which is called the second death. So you die twice. But if you receive Jesus, right, you become born again. You're born physically, and then you're born again. That's being born twice, and you die once because of just the physical death, and after that, you live eternally in heaven. So that's what uh, the angel is saying here that from through God, this is God's message, that will happen to the Jews in the end, those who believe God will receive them in Jesus Christ. Listen, maybe like Israel did, you rebelled against 
God and rejected Jesus in your life. Maybe, maybe you're listening right now, you're connecting, you're watching this, and maybe you stumbled upon this. Maybe you're on Facebook and you saw something. And maybe you're hearing these words. And, and, and let, me, let me speak to you right now. God wants you back. You know, think about Israel. Israel rejected Jesus. Israel rebelled against God. But God is going to have them back. God is going to work in their lives once again to bring them back. And I'll tell you what, God's working in your life right now. God is the one who, who has you clicked in here. Even if you're watching this after, we're live stream now, but maybe you happen to come across here and you're, oh, the music, oh, the cool, you know. And then you kept watching. That's God moving on your heart to stay even to this point to hear him say, I want you back. I want you back. I love you. It's time now to come back. God is reaching out, and He wants you back in a relationship with Him. You know what? God's mercy and grace is, is more than we can imagine. I mean, we think of ourselves as not worthy. Oh, I, I've done so much wrong, but I don't know if God will want me back. But I'll tell you, those thoughts are wrong. Don't, don't listen to the enemy who, who wants to destroy your life. Listen to what God says, and His Word says that His mercies are new every morning. His compassions fail not. God loves you. God, Jesus came to this earth and died for a world who had left Him, rebelled against Him. The Jews, right? The religious leaders who should have been so close to God, following God, they're the ones who manipulated things to, for Him to die on a cross, but yet Jesus still died on the cross, and the Scripture tells us that. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so know that today, right now, God loves you. He wants you back. So go back to Him. As long as you have these breath in your lungs, go to Jesus. Run to Him. He's waiting here with open arms. He wants to forgive you. He wants to restore you and get you back to Him. All right, let's go to number three. Our last heading here, the time of recognition. The time of recognition. At the end of history, we see a time of, oh, I'm sorry, we have four headings. So at the time of history, we have the time of, of repercussions, the time of resurrection. Then number three, second to last, the time of recognition. So verse three here. Verse three says, And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So, the wise who shine. The wise are those Jews who, who gave their life to Christ, who believed in Jesus, and they lived their life for Jesus, even in the midst of this most terrible time through the tribulation. And then these will also, the, the prophecy says here, will shine with that righteousness and glory of Jesus Christ, because he's, he's in, in, in their life. They're going to shine eternally in heaven. It, it's those who who went out and turned many to righteousness. In other words, they shared the gospel messages. And so they're going to shine like stars, like twinkling forever. In other words, they're going to be rewarded, and they're going to be a, a, a because of, of being a light and witness, even in the a super dark and super evil world at the end. So these Jews who believe and share Jesus even during the time of Satan's terror will be rewarded. And they're going to be known for that. They're going to be recognized. And this is the time of recognition. See, uh, many times in the Bible, the, the sun, the stars are used symbolically as someone who sits in like a high position. So these are recognized and rewarded really to serve, I think, in greater ways in the new kingdom. I think about Jesus' parable, you know, the talents, and when the master said to his servant who multiplied the talents in Matthew 25, 23, Jesus said in a parable, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. So these Jews, they are going to shine forever in eternity. They're going to be recognized. This is their recognition, their reward. In a, in, in a position there in that way. So the point is this. The Jews who are saved and faithful throughout the tribulation will be greatly rewarded. The Jews who are saved and faithful throughout the tribulation will be greatly rewarded. And, and you got to imagine, though, remember I talked to you how bad this time is going to be, how, how incredibly hard to live. And 
live for Jesus alone. I mean, your your life is threatened, um, not just the Antichrist. I mean, there's going to be evil around in the world. And if you think you're having attacks when demons are released all over the earth, think about the attacks in that way. But these guys stayed faithful and not just being quiet and faithful, but they continued to preach Christ. You know, I was reading about when the ancient city of Pompeii was destroyed by the eruption of Mount Vesuvius. There were many people buried under the ruins. And so when, when the archaeologists, archaeologists went in and, and they began to dig, you know what? They found people in cellars. They had gone there for safety. There are some people found in upper rooms of buildings, caught there. But you know what they discovered? They found this Roman soldier standing at the city gate where he had been placed probably by his captain. His hands were still grasping his weapon. And, and you can imagine, the earth shook, the earthquake came, and there, even in the floods of ashes and cinders that were covering him, and, you know, he stood at his post. And there, after a thousand years, was still this faithful man, still to be found standing there. I love that picture. It's easy to be faithful when the sun shines and when things are going good, and you're feeling good, right? But what happens when the world is falling apart? What do we do? We run, right? We, we, we quit. We're, we're like, we're out of here. We jump ship even. Yeah? Oh, there's problems in the church. I'm out of here. Oh, I don't like that guy. I'm out, right? But think about the Jewish believers going through the tribulation. Think about, Jesus even talked about, you know, your own family's going to turn on you. I, I could see that. I mean, we see this in a coronavirus, like, oh, neighbors spying, yeah? On other neighbors, like, oh, oh they're, they're, they're not following safety protocols there, right? I mean, I, I read articles like that. Imagine during this time, this worst time in the whole world, when, when calamities are happening, natural calamities, earthquakes, you know, uh, fish are dying, there's no food. Right, and then the Antichrist is evil forces, and then just this the spiritual darkness all around. It's gonna be hard. But these Jewish believers during the tribulation, they did not, and that's why they're gonna shine as stars. And you know what? I think God's calling us to do the same thing. He's calling us even in times of this pandemic. Maybe we're inconvenience. Maybe I don't. I don't like wearing the mask. I don't like. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 someone's telling me, you know, a full line, you got to wear a mask. But then, you know, they're like, no, I'm not wearing it. You can't make me. Oh, well, yeah, well, you can't come in. Then people bucking, yeah? Think about that. We're, we're going to be inconvenienced during this time of opening up. But are we going to still be like Jesus and live for him? When it gets hard, hard, if, when persecution comes, and I, I, I believe some more persecution is going to come down the pipe, you know. Maybe we'll be raptured before it gets really bad, but what are we going to do? How about, let me ask you this way. How easy it is for you to not be faithful, to leave your post, to not be shining the light of Jesus. All right, last heading now, number four, the time of revelation. So we've seen at the end of history, there's a time of repercussions uh, around there and then into the new age, a time of resurrection. Number three, the time of recognition for those Jews, believing Jews who live for God. And now the time of revelation. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, our last verse today says, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. So, Actually, when we come to verse 4, the prophecy finishes. The angel now has completed this prophecy from chapter 11, and he finishes up, and then he tells Daniel to shut up the words. Now, he's saying, like, close it up. He says, seal the book up. Now, again, this is another ancient phrase to mean, close the book and put it to the side for another day. That's the thought. See, with all of this, Daniel, he did not fully understand what's going on. Remember, a lot of this was prompted by that. The other prophecy, you know, uh, when the angel came, 
he kind of understood, but didn't. He's still praying, and then here's another prophecy. And, and I'm sure it's so difficult to fully understand. I mean, we've had the luxury in chapter 11 to look back on history, to, to see what happened, to match it with the prophecy, and go, oh, I see, I understand it, right? And then, and then when we looked at the Antichrist, there's some things happening in the world to where we can understand it. But think about Daniel. It was like, whoa, what is this? I, oh, this is hard to imagine, right? It was not perfectly clear. So God's like saying, hey, don't, don't get all worked up over it. You know, leave it for the future, basically, until, he says here, the time of the end. And what is that? The end times, right? I believe that during the tribulation, many believers will grab their Bibles, their open revelation, they're open to this the book of Daniel, and they're going to read it, and they're going to go, whoa, we're seeing this come true right now. Whoa, chapter 11, the end, the Antichrist. This is exactly what Daniel wrote, like 2,500 plus years ago. And look, it's going to encourage them. It's going to show them. But for now, uh, it's going to give them hope. But for now, the angels say, hey, Daniel, just close it up, put it to the side. And then he adds this thing in verse 4, the last part. He says, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Now, the phrase run to and fro, it's a Hebrew term which means run around seeking out something. That's what that phrase means. And knowledge shall increase. That's what it, it really means. They're gonna, their knowledge will increase as they, as they seek out what? This prophecy. That's what the angel is saying. Look, for now, close it up. But you know, at the end, when people read this prophecy of what you've written down, they're going to understand what it is. They're going to seek it out and they're going to see and know what everything means. So, in the end times, the understanding of these prophecies will be easily found in light of the events they are living in. That's what he's saying here. Now, take note, some say that this means like an increase in knowledge, you know, like information through technology. Uh, some look at this, oh, you know, it's showing that there'll, uh, be, there'll be an ability to travel around really easily. And we see that now, well, except for the lockdown, right? But, um, but you understand, you know, many see this like, oh, see, you know, back then they couldn't travel like this. And so, see, this was prophesying that technology. And it could be. I believe, though, if getting really into it, you know, with the Hebrew, I believe it's more about understanding than the technology that will be in the future. Though, I have to say, technology today sure can help us with the understanding, right? I mean, how many of you has has your Bible on your phone now, you know, and and you're connected, your app has has study Bibles or commentaries, more than ever, the knowledge and understanding the Word is more accessible than ever than today's age. You can look it up on your computer. You, you can listen to sermons, right? You can look up commentaries and, and, and study Bibles and, and learn more about the Word of God than ever individually on your own. So, so it could be part of that. Maybe it's both. You know, maybe it's all that connected. Maybe there'll still be some sense of being able to look things up and read commentaries during this time in the Jews during that time. And they'll be able to read and go, what does this mean? Oh, and read commentaries. Oh, look, maybe they'll pull up old sermons like, oh, Pastor Rick at Country Calvary talked about Daniel 12 and find, I don't know. But you know what I, I'm saying? Either way, I believe understanding the prophecies will come to pass even more so when time comes. When the need comes, when it is the time of revelation. What's interesting to me is at the end of Revelation, the Apostle John was asked to keep the book, you know what, unsealed. Why was that? Well, I believe when John, the Apostle John, wrote the book of Revelation, that was the beginning of God revealing what was coming in the end. God began to give even more of the apostles, more insight. We can read end time stuff from Peter or the Apostle Paul have been quoting Thessalonians, right? There's a lot of things in there. So it, it seems that at the time when Revelation was written, right, it was the beginning of God revealing what was coming in the end. And I believe it was the beginning of God unsealing even the book of Daniel from Daniel's time 
to then. So, so probably about almost uh, over maybe a thousand years later, God began to unseal and give understanding to the book of Daniel. And here's the thing, because we need what is written here in the book of Daniel to help us understand even the book of Revelation. Did you know at least 71 passages in Daniel are quoted or referenced in the New Testament, uh, most of them in the book of Revelation? All right, so our last point is this. Daniel was asked to record these future prophecies to be understood for a future time to come. Daniel was asked to record these future prophecies to be understood for a future time to come. I mean, that's what God essentially is saying. Hey, seal it up. It's for another time. What I've given you, you know, it's going to help someone else down down the line. Hey, I believe in the age we live in right, right now, this present time, we can interpret prophecies better than ever in, in Christian history. I believe that we can see prophecies in better light because, you know what, of world events that are going on. I also think God is giving us more insight through the Holy Spirit at a time when we need it the most, when we need to see, you know what, that Jesus is coming soon and prophecies are, they're, they're, they're being fulfilled. They're coming to pass right now before our very eyes. I was talking to someone the other day and they're like, we were talking about this. This very thing I'm saying right now, we were talking about how, you know, like for me, I I always thought when I first became a Christian, oh, I I wish I lived in the day of the disciples and we could see Jesus and see God, you know, and be be one of the disciples and follow him and all that. And and that would have been awesome. But you know what? The second probably most desirable time to live is right now, to see end time prophecy coming to pass and the Bible coming alive like this. Did you know? long time ago, it wasn't always like this. You know, during the time of Charles uh, Spurgeon, he was a great preacher in England in the 1800s, it was very difficult for him to understand that Israel would be brought back as a nation again. It was almost like, no way, that can't be, because no nation that has ever happened to But after his time, um, you know, in the, his main time was in the late 1800s, on May 14, 1948, a miracle happened and fulfilled prophecy when Israel became a nation again. And that is fulfilling these ancient prophecies. And now, even because of that, we understand prophecy, what's in the Bible, even better. So, Understand, prophecy is important. We've been studying this in Daniel, and it's important because it helps us understand what God is doing. It gives us hope. Prophecy in the Bible, remember, is part of God's Word, and we we are to study God's Word. And understanding it, right, really seeing this will give us that hope. Like I said, and you know what? It boosts our faith even more. It helps us through even these hard times and what we're facing, opening up society, what's going to happen? Is is this going to be an outbreak again? Am I going to be okay? I don't want to get sick. You know, all those things. But when we see that God will help us make us make it through, that He's gonna, He's still with us. When we see what He what He told Daniel, like you know, over twenty five hundred years ago, is starting to we're starting to see it, and we're right around the corner to of, of what's going to happen in, at the end of the world. It boosts our faith and help helps us trust God for the future. In other words, God has already a plan, right? He has a plan in place to secure Israel's future in eternity then know this god has your eternal future secure also know that maybe you know as we come to a close much of this is maybe like oh gone over your head or maybe i'm kind of confused and all this well you know listen to the messages again uh study it again but just know this, if, if, if you didn't understand everything, just know that as a believer in Christ, you have a future. And in the final end, you will be in heaven with the Lord, those who believe in Christ Jesus. And know that that is going to be where God is. God is there waiting for you in your future. Trust God for your future, even if you don't understand it all. Corey Ten Boom said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I love that. 
I'll close with this story. A very ancient map is on display in the British Museum in London. It's, it's an ancient map. It's an old mariner's chart. It was drawn in 1525. It, was out, it outlined the North American coastline and adjacent waters. And there, the cartographer, the map maker, made some interesting notations on areas of map that represented regions that wasn't explored. They don't know what was there. There. You know what he wrote in those areas, past of what they knew back in 1525? He wrote, here be giants. Oh, sounds like a pirate, yeah? Here, I can do it. Here, <laughs> here be fiery scorpions, and here be dragons. Way later, the map came into the hands of Sir John Franklin, a British explorer in the early 1800s. And you know what? He crossed all those fearful inscriptions and he wrote these words across the map. Here is God. You know who God is. You know what he's done in your life. And if you know who God is and if you know that God is going to do what we read here for Israel, then you know what God is going to do for you. And that then you know God is trustworthy and you know God loves you then your future is not scary as long as what God is there, even at the end of history. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word today, Lord. How amazing it is, God, to see everything come together, Lord. Daniel, Revelation, what you said in Matthew 24, and it's all clicking together because this is your word. Uh, uh, Though more than 40 authors wrote, uh, the, the Bible, God, the, it's all one thing because of you, these 66 books, because it's your truth. And what you say is true. And what you say will come to pass in those prophecies. So, Lord, with that in mind, we want to trust you, Lord. We want to give you our heart, our life. We want to trust you with our future, God. We want to trust you if if we're going out, Lord, out into the community as we open up, we want to trust you that no matter how upside down things may seem in our life, that you can write them. Lord, we want to trust you and have faith that, that whatever you say, your promises are true, God. And we, and we want to uh, give you, Lord, that faith, Lord, and believe in you. So, God, as we've been inspired and moved upon, Lord, hear our hearts, God, as we worship you and hear our hearts as we even cry out to you from from the depths of our heart, Lord. God, we want to trust you, Lord. We want to believe in you. Help our unbelief, Lord. But more and more by your Holy Spirit, free us from doubt, free us from fear, free us from that bondage, God, uh, and, and of our flesh, really, and these emotions. And God, give us the courage to have faith, Lord, and believe in every single word you say, even though we cannot see it in our perspective. But God, thank you for Daniel and your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord.